Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Fight Diggy, Tribe Called Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to the Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. Hey, welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chetta, host and founder of the Come Up Show. Thank you for joining me this Wednesday. My guest today is a producer who is from St. Lucia and I know of him because of an artist that he works with very closely with the name of KO. You guys should be familiar with him. We've interviewed him a bunch of times on the Come Up Show. Yogi, the producer, he's partly responsible for the barrage of bangers that we've been uh, we've received from Sean Leon lately, along with, you're just telling me, working with Cardinal Fischel yesterday, Tona from Naturally Born Strangers, Quake Matthews, Savannah Ray, 11-11, and many more. I hope you enjoy. Let's go! Please introduce yourself. What up, podcast world? This is Yogi. This is my first time with my boy here. chedo has been holding me down for a while. I'm really happy to be here. Like, you know, it's finally happening. Chedo knows how long we've been grinding here. So I'm finally happy to be here. My name's Yogi, the producer, and we're about to get down with this. <laughs> yes, sir, man. I want you to take us along for the journey because you came from St. Lucia to Halifax, Nova Scotia to Toronto. So let's take it back to, to your motherland of St. Lucia, of what life was like for you growing up and uh, and how you came to the decision of like, all right, we're going to Canada now. <laughs> That's a pretty big step. Tell me about that. All right. So, I mean, I, I came from a small fishing village called Ancillary. And really growing up, I spent a lot of my time going to the river, going to the beach, fishing with my friends, you know, riding bicycles. But the other part of it was me always being in church with my mom. You know, she had a choir, and that's kind of how I got into music. My mom basically had a choir called Sicilian Race, and with the choir is where I got involved mostly because they would go out to perform at hotels, and they would need a keyboardist. Or sometimes, like I said, I would just sing way in the back with my friends. Honestly, man, it would be fun. Like, we'd go to hotels, get free food, and just me and my friends would stand in the back, the boys in the choir, you know, just <laughs> messing around and shit. And it, it was fun, man. Like, I enjoyed it, and I really learned a lot. Like, I, understand, I understood a lot more about harmonies and, and, you know, choral singing and arrangements from doing that you know so as much as at that time i didn't enjoy it, it was still a blessing and and i feel like the whole plan was already there for me and then my mom was the one that was making sure i stayed on that path by telling me let's go to choir rehearsals let's do this you know and she really played a huge part in that you know entire process so she was a choir leader yeah. or so okay. she she yeah. ran the choir okay. and as far as her job goes, like her day job, she worked as a music curriculum officer for the entire island, basically. So her role is basically to make sure that all the schools are, you know, properly suited for music, you know, and from everything from curriculums to musical instruments, you know, programs. Every summer she would run, like, workshops for the kids. Musicals, you know, that was something she started doing with the kids from our community and also the outskirts, as well as all over the island. Because mm -hmm. St. Lucia is very small, so you'll realize that it's easy for everybody to know each other, and it's also easy to get a group from around the island to come together, you know. So mm -hmm. she did that every summer, and, um, 
yeah, it, it just grew into something amazing, and then mm-hmm. I, I got the opportunity to, to be part of it because at one of the musicals, I was actually like the pianist for the entire musical. So I got these kinds of you know opportunities, and it really, really built me, you know, musically, and then um, even just like personally, you know, like not on a musical level. So that's a good point because uh, I want to know what the value of that of the mm-hmm. of music in especially early in elementary and high school for the curriculum because I, I maybe I, I remember maybe learning the flute or whatever the but we did yeah recorder I think <laughs> yeah. that was kind of standard yeah. but now they're saying that uh, there may be like scrapping away music from the curriculums or wow. doing the funding or whatever so what is the value of learning music whether it be a recorder or whatever it may be at a young age man that I can't even emphasize like how important music is whether it's the most basic level and the funny thing that you mentioned recorder man I'll tell you, if my mom was alive right now, every student in secondary school be, would be learning the recorder. And they would be, or not even secondary, they would start from like early. Elementary. Elementary, yeah. yeah. Um, because it's, it's easy. It's an instru- easy instrument to play. And from learning the recorder, you can move on to saxophone, brass, any wind instrument, basically. Yeah. So it's just a good foundation. And musically, I mean, because of my musical knowledge, now I'm able to do all these genres, contribute so much musically because of that knowledge. So I, it's very important because when it comes to creating, it's, it's, you could, there are people who are born with the natural talent, and I, I really admire these types of people. But even those people, eventually they go on and learn a little bit more. So mm-hmm. you could combine the two, the raw talent and the knowledge, and then you have, like, an amazing piece. So for me, that's what it is. Like, every time I sit down to create, it's, it's not so much how am I going to do this, but what am I trying to do? Because I already know the, the re- I reverse engineer everything before I create it, basically. Mm-hmm. I break it down. I understand what it's doing. What do I need to do? So... And all that, like I said, is coming from having that musical background where I know what the music needs, I know melodies, I know harmonies. Um, it, it just, it's so much, man, like I can't even really explain it, but a good start, and I'll recommend that for any artist, anybody in the music industry coming up, man, like pick up some basic knowledge of music, whether it's theory you know, practical, like learn an instrument, man, it really helps, especially for me as a keyboard player, as a music producer. Um, I use my keyboard all the time because, you know, that's the main, you know, instrument there. It's a tool. Yeah, exactly. And with the adverse of, you know, like virtual instruments, you get some sounds that are like not even live instruments, but they sound very realistic. And like one of the tracks on my project, uh, shout out to Kei Tronada. Like Kei Tronada is a huge fan of mine, so... I dedicated that piece to him. You can hear, like, it sounds very live, but they're all, like, you know, virtual instruments. So it's just all because of that musicality. That's where my musicality come from, comes from. When people tell me, man, your music is so, like, soulful and this and that, it's because I knew the music from way back. And now I'm, like, basically finding ways to, in, you know, implement it in what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. So what's the difference between that and these young kids right now who are just learning on free loops and not, not, nothing else? Man, honestly, the difference is it's, it's me back in the day, basically, like these kids now. Because I didn't always know music like that, but you have to start somewhere. So these kids that are doing that right now, I'm never going to knock the hustle. It's, it's not even that. It's still creative. It's still music. I don't care how you do it. It's just as long as it's amazing. Um, but I think it helps if you have the musical, you know, background. So these kids now, I mean, 
The difference is, uh, okay, for example, if I'm arranging a song where I have to find the key for a song, very simple though, finding the key for a song, I could easily pull out my keyboard and go through and find what keys, what chords are in it and everything. And I've seen from my own experience with people who are less, you know, musically inclined, for doing that, they would either need to get a program or it would take them forever, you know. And some people have the musical air where they have, they could just find it. But it would save me more time, you know, than, you know, them because of just that simple fact, like knowing these little things. Mm-hmm. It's it's simple little things, but they add up. And like I said, it's not about me saying I'm doing this so I'm better. No, no, it's just, I, it, it's easier for me for that reason, you know. And mm-hmm. shout out to everybody out there using Fruity Loops and who are like trying to do their thing and making amazing music regardless of if mm-hmm. they know their music or not. So you're in Jamaica a few months into the curriculum. Your mom passes mm-hmm. away. Is this a pro- like out of nowhere? Out of nowhere, bro. Like literally. Uh, so my mom, when I found out, is that uh, she died of meningitis. So meningitis is like when it hits you it's like flu-like symptoms so you don't think hey you know what i'm gonna die from a flu you know so friday she was at oh yeah the musicals that she was doing so the friday evening the kids had a rehearsal and every evening or after rehearsal she waits for the kids from her community because she'll drive them down we had an suv so um, it was a Friday, as far as I know, because this entire time, man, I'm in St. Lucia. My mom passes everything. This is hap- not in St. Lucia, Jamaica. Jamaica. So I have no clue the process. I'm just yeah. hearing stories, you yeah. know. So, yeah, it's like Friday evening, as far as I was told, she got sick. Uh, she didn't go to the hospital, the doctor. Usually, if my mom is sick, she'll go to the hospital. She'll go to the doctor. She's the first person to do that. She didn't go. Uh, Saturday, I'm not sure exactly how it was, but I think she was feeling a little better and she was supposed to go, but she still didn't go to the doctor. And then literally Sunday, I was on the phone with my dad. He called me. He was like, yo, you know, your mom is at the hospital and it's not looking good, but I will keep you posted. So at that point, I was like, whoa. I went to a friend of mine who I lived on campus at the time. So I went to link him. And I was like, yo, my dad just called me, and this is the situation. So he's like, yo, you know, just chill chill here with me for now. And then, so eventually, like maybe two hours after that, bro, my dad called me. I was like, yo, you know, your mom passed away. She didn't make it. So let's, you know, start making plans for you to come home, and, you know, we'll figure it out. So it's like the relationship I had with my dad. We don't have a – it's not that we don't love each other. It's a – you know, more of a manly thing, like we don't need to be soft with each other type yeah. thing, and then that's because of emotion. Exactly, and yeah. it's not that we don't want to, but that's how we are trained, you know, or raised. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing or anything. I love my dad, but yeah. we know strong what it black men. Exactly, <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we know what it is, yeah. and we didn't have to question it. We already know what had to go down. So yeah, and the way you were saying it right now, the way you were. Uh, making your impression your dad it just sounds like casual I'm like yo what does this sound so chill honestly <laughs> that's it's, it's it's not even for me it was like and I was pretty calm too when I was talking to my dad on the phone as it happened surprisingly like I cried for about maybe 20 minutes max bro to be quite honest and it's like I don't know what I feel like I always tell people this story it's like after my mom passed something happened that just instantly made me a stronger individual so at that moment when I was on the phone with my dad as much as I realized that my mom is gone, I was just, something about it was just not painful as I thought it would be. And that's what gave me the courage to be able to talk to my dad like that and be able to, to hold strong. Um, throughout the entire like process of me going home, making plans for the funeral, 
and everything around it. They did like an amazing ceremony for my mom, a memorial at uh, the cultural center, National Cultural Center. And you didn't even cry at that part? No, bro. And it's not even a sad, it's because I didn't look at it as sad so much. It's sad when you lose somebody, but it's all about perspective, bro. You know, like somebody passes away. My mom lived a very happy life. My mom did what she, you know, loved music. We'd come home mm-hmm. from school, and when she comes home, she goes straight to choir rehearsal. She doesn't even make food for us, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, she'd come home and just be like, all right, y'all good. I'm going to go to rehearsal. So she'd go, she'd go to some meeting, you know. So it's like I appreciate the fact that she got to enjoy it, and she didn't leave this earth like, man, I didn't do it. I know my mom did everything she wanted, she wanted to do. So that, mm. in its sense, is a comfort, you know. Um like I tell you, the whole angel thing, I believe in, like, that type of, you know, spiritual vibe. So it's like, hey, you know what? And, yeah, man, I don't know. It's just, I don't know where it came from. Uh, at the funeral itself, I didn't cry. Like, I, it's not even that I wanted to. I just didn't feel sad. I, I was happy, you know. Like, you're resting. You're, you're in a better place. And God knows how much stress she was having, you know, on this earth. Because she was all over the place trying to do things. She'd always go out of her way for people. And, I mean, a lot of that I got from her in the sense that I'm always trying to, you know, accommodate, you know, be there for people. I'm a very loving person, you know, like very welcoming, you know. So I got that from her. And all these little things come together, you know, eventually at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. that happened. Funeral happened. We dipped. Uh, I, I decided to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Not Jamaica. And my friends in Jamaica were destroyed because I told them I wasn't coming back, like, I had made some really good friends in Jamaica and connections musically. Like, mm-hmm. I met people like Romain Virgo. I mean, some of these names you might not know because, I mean, they're like, they're not mainstream, but they're doing very well in the reggae, you know, world. And I, I happened to meet people like Romain Virgo and being like around people like Busy Signal, Barris Hammond. Some of these people are greats as well. So, aside from Romain, these are the other people that I ended up encountering. And for me, it's all about being inspired and, you know, getting inspiration from these experiences, whether it is I talked or didn't talk or I saw them or, you know, had a personal conversation. All these things are inspiring. And I'm the type of person, whatever inspire, like, I'm huge on things that inspire me. You know what I mean? So I feel like the people around me give me energy sometimes, you know, in terms of good vibes, friends, you know. Um, things that happen in my life inspire me and make me do better. Uh, my entire beat tape was basically that, like, about things that I've came across in life that inspired me and made me a better person. So, yeah, that happened in Jamaica. I made some mad connections. And then after Jamaica, I, like I said, I went to school because of my mom passing away. I switched schools. So you chose Halifax because KO's already Not there? Even, what? Just, How random is bro, that? I From St. Lucia to... <laughs> A small island in St. Lucia, another brother, your homies there, and you just happen to choose Halifax out of all of Canada? Now, I'll tell you what the real reason is. Yeah. My brother was in Halifax, but it still was random because it's like, how do you find an audio engineering school in small Halifax, you know, that that just happens to have what I want to do? And furthermore, K.O. was already there, so... It just all made sense to me. And were you close to KO already? Not even. We uh, knew of each other. I'll tell you a story, though. When we were in St. Lucia, mm-hmm. and I always tell KO this when he, get, when he hears this, he's going to be mad, but whatever. <laughs> when I was in St. Lucia, I, I was making beats already, but I wasn't as good yet, you know? So I sent him some beats. My brother knew him. KO didn't take any of my beats, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, KO, I had to do He's it. not going to be mad about that. He's not. <laughs> I always give that story, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's just... 
it's one of them things where we didn't really know each other, but we did. And um, once I got to Halifax, it's like we had, I felt like I had already grown since I had last sent him beats. So it was a better time to work, you know, and I could actually do something and contribute. So we started working almost instantly, bro. And like they say, the rest was history. Like we're here now. So from Halifax, we did our thing out there. So you went to school for audio engineering? Yes, correctly. Uh, yeah. um, we, I went to school there. I went to Center for Arts and Technology. All this, man, like all these decision-making and all the type of thing, it was really tough because there was so much going on. But for me, what really helped me at the end of the day was just like putting myself in situations that made that, that made sense and f- made me feel comfortable. You know, I'm, I go huge on vibes. And something in my heart just told me to move to Halifax. And once I did that, man, like I got there and I was really happy with the people that were around me, you know, and I grew musically. Um, uh, from being in Halifax, I met people like Quake, Cam Smith, you know, Classified, DJ Playboy, so many musical, you know, and, um, you know, people, uh, uh, producers, uh, engineers, you know, Corey LaRue, Chris Knox, you know, Corey, uh, Neon Dreams, these guys are, you know, were signed to uh, Walker Flocker's label, and they do a lot of work with Walker, and um, Chris Knox does a lot of stuff, you know, recently I think he did, he was um, working on stuff for Dre's project, which, I mean, Detox, everybody was pretty upset it didn't come out, but Chris Knox is another person that inspired me, you know, greatly. You know, I always used to sit and talk with him. He's another person that built me spiritually, too, you know? So it's, man, it's Halifax was a good time. Like, I I think I took that time to really grow um, and build myself for when I moved to Toronto, which is, like, the place that I always wanted to be at some point, you know? Once I moved to Canada, you know? Everybody was talking about Toronto and being like, yeah, this is a place, screw face capital, I've never been here. Like, it was just, and moving to Toronto was a very last minute decision too. How so? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit more about Halifax. So in Halifax, like I said, I linked up with all these great people. We we were doing our thing in Halifax, man. I think that's when we started like getting in touch because of KO, obviously, and the classified tour and all that. So Mm -hmm. I think that's when I started hearing about the come up show and I always was like, man, I want to be on that shit. Like, I want to get a feature. <laughs> so when I got the first one from you guys, man, I was so excited. So I knew it, it was something that, like, I knew that relationship with the Come Up Show would be something that would develop, you know, into the future. So like I said at the start of the show, I'm happy to be here. But uh, continue on, man. Um, Halifax, like I said, we did, I think we did majority of our, like, shows out there once we started because we were obviously from there. Um, we did a few tours, you know, K.O. did the Snoop Dogg tour, the exhibit, Classified with Headley. So he did a, a good couple of runs, and I, I really got to go out and, and experience the, the tour life, you know, as they say. Um, it, it was just, it was all about building for me in Halifax, and each each stage of my life, I try to pull out a main thing from it, you know. Um, and Halifax was definitely like the portion of it where I was laying down the foundation and getting strong and building and learning and connecting. And now I'm in Toronto. It's like, yeah, let's get it. But uh, Halifax, I enjoyed it. It's a small town, you know, lots of universities, but it's it's a good place to be in if you really want to like focus. And a lot of my friends, well, not friends, but Halifax has a lot of St. Lucians. So it felt like home in a way, even if I was away from home, you know? So 
Generally, man, I, I really enjoyed being in Halifax, and um, I, I grew a lot there, and I made a lot of nice connections. So from there, I after school, I did really well in school. I was happy with how you know everything turned out in school because I had the experience before coming to school. Like I had years of experience before school. It was like smooth sailing, you know. So school was enjoyable. For me, um, while in school, I, I still got the chance to tour, you know, and I'm so thankful for my, you know, lectures at school and stuff because I don't know what kind of, you know, school lets you go on tour <laughs> while, you know, actually, you know, all the pro- yeah. courses are well, going. Well, if it is a music, right, they exactly. should truly, exactly. they should value that because exactly. most people are not going on tour. So how was the last min- how was the decision last minute to move to Toronto? How did that come about? Okay, so the last, that came about when I was coming from work. I used to work for Future Shop. Mm-hmm. And Which is not around anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take that. But yeah, man, I used to work for Future Shop, and one day I was the bus ride to home, my house where I lived was about maybe an hour and a half. So I had a lot of thinking time, and I'm the type of person I think a lot about stuff all the time. I'm always like deep in contemplation. Hold on, your bus ride every time you're coming home from work is an hour and a half. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Whoa. An hour and a half, bro. Like, okay. I used to trad, bro. So I used to really sit there and think, you know. And one day I'm coming home, bro, in the snow. I, I'm from St. Lucia, bro. I don't like the snow shit. I don't want to be cold. Yeah. And I was sitting on the bus. I was cold as hell, bro. I remember waiting. Like, it was. I'm the only black guy in the middle of nowhere. Like, the bus is taking forever to come, bro. It's nighttime. And you know what? The bus driver that came was a black dude. <laughs> I'm like, that's so funny. Like, yeah, I, I see you, bro. I see you. But anyways, man, I got on that bus and I was so pissed because of the snow. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like the only person on the bus almost the entire trip, the entire hour and a half, bro. One of two people came off. But anyways, um, I sat there and I was like, you know what? This is not something that I want to do. It doesn't make me happy. So why am I doing this? And I realized I'm doing it because it was my safe zone, you know, my comfort zone. The reason I didn't want to leave and not have a job is because I'm thinking, how am I going to do this, you know? But on the other hand, it's like, how else are you going to do it if you don't step out of that safe zone? You know, I was watching a video that Steve Harvey was talking about basically jumping off the edge and trusting that your parachute will open at the right time. So I took that leap. And literally the next three days, I spoke to my boss. I was like... I'm going to leave. I need to leave. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Toronto. I gave him my letter. Well, hold up. Before you, di- when you're thinking this, when you got home, bro, did yeah, you talk bro. to KO about no, this? Bro. or On the way on the bus, I made that decision. I knew I didn't want to tell anybody. Because if I told anybody, they'd be like, man, you know, this and that. You didn't want nobody to talk you out of it. Exactly. So I already made my decision. And I know KO was going through a lot because he was dealing with the label, the EMI. He had just got signed and stuff. And he himself was going through some stuff, you know, as far as the music goes. And it was just so much that, like, I knew for sure we had to do this, you know. I knew I had to do that personally. And I didn't care if Kate was staying there. I would have left him there if he didn't come. So, <laughs> anyways, I just decided it. And um, at the time, there was a project that I was working on with a, a poet by the name of Shante Grant from Halifax. She's pretty dope. Shout out to Shante. Like, she's very dope. And I was working on a spoken word project with her. So that project, from doing that project, I was like, okay, I'm going to get this done first and then dip. And from doing that, you know, I just had to try and save as much money as I could, you know, before I made the move. Because I was literally, like, selling everything and just moving away and taking my suitcase and my clothes. So 
And at that time, too, my brother was getting ready to leave to go to Alberta. So basically everybody was just leaving and expanding out. So like I said, I, I'll repeat this a lot. I believe in timing and everything just, you know, panned out as it should. So I made the decision. I spoke to K. I was like, bro, you know what? Honestly, I thought about it. And I really think, like, we need to do this because otherwise we realized we were, like, kind of, like, plateauing almost, you know, where you're in one place for so long doing not the same thing, but you have already achieved what you wanted to. So now how do you get to that next level? And for us, I felt that was, like, moving to another city, which made sense because, you know, we wanted to grow. And that city was Toronto, obviously. But, yeah, after that, we, we planned everything and... Packed up, sold my stuff, and we just dipped. I took my audio stuff with me because I knew once we get to Toronto, I want to be able to just get straight back into it because it's a whole new city. It's a whole new source of inspiration, a whole bunch of people to meet, you know. Um, finally being in the six, you know, I was so excited, bro. I remember getting off the plane, and when we finally, uh, we were, like, in the terminal waiting for our friend to pick us up. And Kay was like, man, so we actually did this. I was like, yep, yeah, we're here. And I turned back. So from that point on, I knew, man, like, you know what? There's literally, like, no turning back. We're not going back to Halifax. I mean, and after that, we obviously went back for shows. And we did, like, maybe one or two shows after that. But we haven't been back there in a while. We're trying to, you know, do that and maybe just make a visit, you know, see what's up. But, yeah, man, Halifax was amazing, and, and I really learned a lot from there. I met a lot of amazing people, as I had mentioned. And now we're in the Toronto chapter. You know? So if Halifax is a foundation, mm. what is Toronto? Toronto now is where the building is there. Now you have to start getting people to buy these condos, bro. <laughs> Think of it like a condominium. You know, yeah. it's built now. Yeah. So now we have to get people to start, you know, messing with us. And it's been going great, like, Initially, I was scared, but I told myself, man, at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to stop you really is yourself. So you need to come in there with the mentality that you're coming to grind and kill it. And I told myself, I'm coming to Toronto, but I'm not worrying about the other producers out there because they're going to do their thing regardless of if I'm there or not, and they're dope or whatever. But I still need to stand up on my own and you know build myself to that level of all these producers. You know, There's a lot of competition out there, and I'm happy because it, pushes me you know i look up to people you know and regardless of competition or not i don't care if i'm better than you i could still learn something from you you know i could learn something from you as a, you know a, a journalist even if you're not in music you know a lot a lot about the music you know a lot about the entertainment mm. you know so it's so crazy the simple things you can learn from people who view things from a different perspective you just have to open yourself to it so that's how i am as far as you know the whole toronto thing goes i'm coming here I'm killing it. That's my plan. I'm sorry if anybody gets in the way, but I'm just trying to kill it. You know? No need to apologize. Please <laughs> do not apologize. And, you know, you're on your way because you've been working closely with people like Sean Leon, Tona, Cardi, Savannah, Ray. So what is the energy like in being in the studio with these artists and, and your overall feeling being now part of the Toronto music mm-hmm. industry? Man, honestly, sometimes I'm in sessions and it's like, I can't believe like I'm doing this. Um, and I mean, it's not necessarily about people being on a certain level of stardom. It's not even that. It's about me being around people who I find are super creative and I thought I would never get a chance to work with. So people like Sean Leon, like, I found out about him when I first moved to Toronto and, and I found out about him through following Wonder Girl, who like, I knew from 
way back. Um, not like we didn't have too much of a personal relationship, but I knew of her. We knew each other. But, yeah, that's how I found out about Sean. And, man, I was like, one day I want to work with this guy. I had just moved to Toronto, bro. And little did you know, a couple months later down the line, here I am in studio with Sean Leon and Savannah Ray, recording what you now call Europe, you know, freestyle. That's invented as so... It's a blessing, like I said, because these guys, I see these people as, like, talented individuals. And if they want to mess with me, if they want to fuck with my music, then it's obvious that I'm doing well and I'm good, you know. So that was, like, a confirmation for me that I need to continue doing what I'm doing. So it's it's amazing. And then you have people like Cardinal who were, like, Cardinal is an OG in the city, you know. And I'm working closely with him now on a couple of projects. Um, people like Eastbound, like... I think Eastbound is a dope producer and creatively as well. He reminds me of, like, his musical vibes reminds me of my beats as well because he has that musical element, you know. Um, Savannah Ray, another dope artist, you know, that I work closely with. I've been doing most of her music, and she's another talented person, you know, that I really think is has great things coming for her, much like Sean Leon and, and, and everybody else. Like, they all have something great coming for them. All these artists that I'm working with, you know, Eleven mm-hmm. Eleven. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really have to, you know, give a huge shout-out to all these artists. Like, I can't try to name all of them because I don't want to miss anybody, but mm-hmm. they've really helped me grow in some way or another. Everybody that I work with, Tanisha, K.O., everybody, they know it. So it really has been an overwhelming thing in a way, man. Like, the support, like, the way things are going. I'm just a small island boy, you know. Like, I used to see things on TV and be like, man, that's dope. But I honestly, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be there, but... It happened. It, it's it hasn't happened yet, but things are happening that make me realize, like, hey, you know what, bro? If you really just focus and make up your mind, you could get whatever you want. So, mm-hmm. in Toronto, I, you know, my name has been traveling around a little, um, getting a lot of love from producers that I look up to, mm-hmm. uh, that are in the industry, and it's it's like I said, it's an overwhelming fe- feeling, and sometimes it's like, really, oh yeah, are you really doing this right now? You know, yeah. like, are you really here, bro? Like. Like doing the thing that you love, waking up every day and just going straight into music. Being here for me is not about getting signed or doing all this fancy stuff. It's about like being in the situation that you love and you enjoy doing. You know, so you're in the situation that you love, and for you that makes you happy. You know, that 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 could be your success for you. Just staying in your field and 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 doing you know what you think you do best, and not necessarily what you feel like. People need you to do what people see you doing, you know. At the end of the day, it's about keeping yourself happy. Tell me about the confirmations, because these confirmations are really important, especially mm. when you may be doubting yourself or mm. being impatient. Mm. When you say you're in, in, in the studio with Sean Leon or whatever, you're like, oh, okay, I guess this is a sign that I'm doing the mm. right thing. How important are these confirmations? And when you get them, what, what do you do? I feel like for you to be able to be aware of these things and it doesn't happen the same for everybody which is why it's so hard to like for me to explain i could say it but somebody who's listening might be like oh shit yogi that's not how i did it so i don't want to be like that but again this is just my humble opinion where it's like i feel like you have to be on a certain level of spirituality or connected with the universe itself you know for you to be able to pick up on these things awareness yeah awareness so i meditate I eat, I go to the gym, I come back, I go straight into music. Or sometimes I meditate and I go straight into music, you know. I enjoy smoking weed, obviously. Sorry, Dad. Uh, hopefully he never hears this, but I enjoy it. What does that affect? What, what, when, when you smoke a joint, what happens? I'll tell you how I feel. And yeah. you guys might think I'm a psycho, 
But it's just, honestly, on the real though, it's, it calms me down. It puts me on a creative level that, well, it doesn't put me, I allow myself to get on that level because some people say they get paranoid when they smoke weed. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, don't. I use it in a way where it's like, I could create. And that doesn't mean I can't create without it. But if I'm blessed with it, hey, why not? Then I will use it and create because I make amazing stuff that way. And like I said, that doesn't determine how well I produce. You know, I could do it off or on. That's very important because you don't exactly. want to. I actually talked to, I interviewed Royce the Five Nine mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago, and mm-hmm. he was talking about that, that he feel like the biggest myth nowadays are artists who feel like they need to have some Hennessy or mm-hmm. some some ganja to think that they need to be creative. It's, it's crap, man. It's yeah. because it's all in your head already. The knowledge yeah. is there. Yeah. That's why I say if I smoke weed while I'm working, it calms me down. Now I'm able to really focus and use my knowledge. And it's not the weed helping. It's me picking my knowledge better because I'm calm. So really, it's, it's just a stepping stone. And I don't think you should get addicted to it just... You shouldn't get addicted to it just because you think it helps your music. You know, it doesn't yeah. work that like way. If you don't have it, you can't do it. Exactly. Yeah. You, shouldn't, you shouldn't reach that point ever with any kind of, you know, alcohol, you know, substance that's bad for you, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't think weed is bad. Obviously, it's bad if you're, like, doing every day. You're not excited. You're not doing nothing. I've heard a lot of crap about health studies, whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, it's you're going to die anyway. So... <laughs> There's no point in trying to be like, oh, he does this. But mm-hmm. long story short, I do, and um, um, the creative process it, it helps. It really helps a lot. But but it's really about seeing the things and how you do that is being more spiritual. So whether it means meditating, watching interviews of people that inspire you, all these things really elevate you on a spiritual plane. Because from sitting there watching Buster Rhymes in studio, Timberland, for example, there's a specific video. Uh, I watch of him every now and then to inspire me because it reminds me of why I'm doing this and where I want to be. And I read his book as well, which when I watch his videos, I'm like, yeah, I remember reading this in his book. So it makes it more real to me. But patience, man, honestly, it's that's like what could make or break you in the music industry as far as my own experience. Because, like I said, I've been doing this for over 10 years. I'm 27 now, so it's definitely way more than 10 years professionally and honestly there were times I'm like man why am I even doing this I'm not getting anywhere although I was but in my head because of how I was looking at it I wasn't because I was expecting the stardom and all this and you just go you make a beat tomorrow you're good bam bam it just climb not like that it didn't happen like that obviously but it's because I was expecting too much too soon and I was young and impatient now with getting older I found I find that Musically, I've found myself and I'm able to be, even on a personal level, I've grown more and that helped me be more patient. My mom was a very patient person, so that in itself, I think that rubbed off on me a lot because I'm extremely patient and very optimistic. Like, ask any of my friends, they'll tell you, like, I'm always the one to say, hey, you know what, this happened, yo, you just lost your leg, but you could hop, you could put some crutches on it, you could get by type things, like... I would try to take the most serious situation and find the light in it because there's always, you know, at the end of the day, all you have to do is take the time and just handle things day by day. Sometimes people rush and think about, man, what am I going to do next week? Are you going to be alive next week? You don't know that. So focus on today because today's a day when you know what's happening because it's happening as you go. So control things that you have control over versus trying to think of, man, am I going to get displacement next week or am I going to be famous or whatever? Um, take the time to build yourself. 
Don't rush nothing. Anything that's there for you will come. Just be open. Be ready to receive it. That's another thing, too, being prepared because you hear a lot of people saying, man, I want this so bad and I need this. And I ask them, okay, you want this right now. It takes this to do it. Do you have these things ready right now? And they'll be like, well, this and that. And then now you have to really, I tell them, like, okay, so you're not. You need to be ready to receive these things because if, for example, you get an opportunity where you're like, you always wanted it, but then you haven't built yourself to, you know, be ready for when that opportunity arrives, then either two things are going to happen. One, you're going to look like you're going to flop, you know. You're going to come, let's say, a scenario. You always wanted to get in the studio with a specific artist or something, and then you finally get the chance and you don't have the guns blazing, you know. Like, they're like, yeah, you're okay. And then you ruin your first chance ever. And that itself could, you know, destroy your opportunity for ever working with that person again because you came and you were not ready. So my advice is always just be ready, always work, always, you know, be patient. Don't worry, everything is going to come eventually. I haven't really seen everything that I want to happen yet, but I know it's going to come. I just have to, you know, keep working and just be ready when it comes, you know. So patience is definitely important. So you're an optimist. You take it day by day. And people kind of undervalue your attitude, attitudes, eh? Like when people say, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're optimistic, mm-hmm. you really are defining your own world, whether people want to believe it or not, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and I'm glad that you said that because sometimes you'll, you'll find like you're trying to be so positive and, you know, optimistic. And it's like, it's hard because... Of Life is still smacking you in the exactly, face. Exactly, bro. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not making yeah. money, bro. I'm not like rich. I, I don't, I'm not making money. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. Like I get up every day and I still have to try and like figure out how am I paying rent this month? You know, how am I going to pay these bills? Like I still have to get up and grind. So it's, man, like... It's hard to be positive, you know? It's so hard. Yeah. And it's hard to be an entrepreneur. It's hard to also want to live off your craft. And then there's that thing where, you know, you love your craft, but then if you're putting too much pressure on it, like, to make financially, that you can, like, possibly fall out of love with it as mm. well. And that's very, very, very... So I really appreciate your candidacy right now because this is the Canadian music industry, and I don't know how many people, rappers or producers, are making... Uh, a killing off it financially, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. it takes time it to takes get time. there. So you're saying you're focused, are you focused on this 100% and you're basically asking yourself questions like, how am I going to pay my rent at the end of the month? Legit, bro. Like, yeah. legit. I get up every day. That's all I do. Music, bro. I don't do anything else. I mean, my thing is I enjoy creating. So you realize that I've been doing like a lot of artwork. So Savannah's last track, I did her artwork, KO stuff. I'm uh, one of my artists, Ashley Scarrett. I do all their artwork. So Good, the graphics. Yeah, the graphics for the releases. Yeah. Because I enjoy doing that, you know. Oh. So, yeah, it's it's like I have to use these talents to still pay bills at the end of the day. And like I said, I do music 100. Like every day I get up and I do music. So it's it's so tough, man. And like, thankfully, like, I have people around me who are very supportive, and and it makes it a little easier. But at the end of the day, it's life hits you, bro, and there's no like you do you have to deal with it. But it's still tough, you know. Being, you know, how it is as a crea- as a creative, people mm-hmm. don't respect your craft. You know, like it's hard for the people who want you to pay, like who want you know you want to get their money. Like the bigger corporations, it's hard to like. 
get to these people because the market is so saturated. Like, there's so many other producers, so, so many other talent. people, you know, like... That's the one thing about in Toronto that's yeah. like, it, there's so much talent in the city. So you released your uh, debut beat tape on SoundCloud uh, titled... Uh, Petronella? Petronella, yes. That's after your mom. Yes. Uh, you dedicated it to your mom. Mm-hmm. It's a musical dedication to her. So why now? Why at age 27 when you're producing for this long that you produce a, your debut beat tape and then why to your mom now when you could have done it four or five years ago? Okay, and again, I always say I'm going to bring this timing thing up. So right now, I was ready. Like I, I felt like I had the resources. I had the skill level because man I could tell you right now if you go back five years and listen to one of my productions would you really hear hear that right now and be like yeah yo smash no it's not that it wasn't good but on the level that I'm operating at now or trying to operate it wouldn't suit um, I'm still grateful for my crappy beats and all this, the mistakes that I made but right now I need to be on that level so because I felt like I've grown enough and I had the resources like that's why I did it. Um, on top of that, I felt inspired to a long time ago. Um, you know, I'm not gonna say any names, but a very special, you know, lady friend of mine um, told me that I should, you know, make the beat tape and and put it together. And that's kind of how it started. Like I knew I always had to do it, but then. Every now and then, I'll get people telling me, hey, when are you doing this? When are you doing the beat tape? Or you should do this. And I'll be like, yeah, you know what? I, I know that I have to do it, and it's on my mind, but like, I know the timing will be right. And once it does happen, then it's going to be great, which is what happened. I was really happy with it. I wasn't about trying to get numbers. It was about me doing it as an own personal goal, um, and obviously like a dedication to my mom. So... Like, like, I won't lie to you, I put the tape together within, like, in a week. Like, I had stuff already. It was just a matter of pulling all, all of them together and deciding what tracks I wanted to use. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's always been on my mind forever, and I always have plans in my head, bro. I don't write down my plans. They're always in my head, so when I'm ready to execute, it's just like, okay, access it where it is, and let's carry out. So mm-hmm. that was one of them, and from the artwork, everything, like I said, I don't... I'm so spiritual that I knew how everything would work out. I wasn't worried. I literally sat down. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this beat tape. Mm-hmm. This is the picture I'm going to use. This is our work. And then you have Petronella. You know, that's how it came about. It's a beautiful thing. And it's out of SoundCloud that we'll link it on the podcast description. Uh, so you said that you're, you're confident that this new wave of music is your best release today. How so? Because it's about being ready and finally reaching that level where you're like, okay, now that I could actually do this and now that I have the attention of certain people and I'm actually, like, you know, ready to do it. I Like, I know the music I'm putting out will sound good once I put in the work and the artists that I'm working with, you know, are also contributing to that. And that's why I said it, it's going to be my best work because I feel so confident. I feel happy. I feel musically I'm in a good place. And it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm trying, like, I don't know if I'll get a Grammy. I don't know if I'll get platinum records or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I'm happy with where I'm at musically and satisfied. So I'm going off of that. And I don't see why it wouldn't work out. You know, there are genuine people who... 
I get feedback from and they tell me like honestly bro you're like you're doing really well I'm really impressed there are a lot of people who see my growth you know like from close around me you know like KO all these these artists that I work with even my friends they'll tell me yeah man your stuff is dope and mm-hmm. I know it's come from a place where it's not like because they're my friends because my friends are not like that they're very evil so <laughs> they're very evil yeah. harsh Shout out to Snoop, shout out to Anwin, KO, all of my roomies, you know. These people really helped me a lot in building myself. Very supportive crew. I appreciate your time, man. Is there anything else that you wanted, uh, you know, for the people, whether they be producers or artists or just the everyday music fan, everybody who's going through their ups, their downs, their struggles, their challenges? Well, what, do, what do you want to say to them? Man, my closing note, if I had to say anything right now, would be, like, just stay focused, stay positive, humble, you know, work hard. Everything you want is, is really up to you. It's not, and nobody's going to stop you if you don't want to be stopped, you feel me? Um, no matter what situation you're in, there's always a way out of it. Like, the only thing stopping you is yourself. So, producers, everybody, whatever you know you do, just whatever it is, be positive. Keep positive people around you. And, you know, just do everything to the best of your abilities. Don't be mad at yourself if you fail or you do something wrong. You know, you just get back up and you do it again. You you, you do it a different way or try something else. But whatever it is, don't give up and be positive and help love each other. You know, music is something I think that's really a cure for the evil in the world. You know, like music connects people, you know, there's no barriers, no boundaries, you know, so... Universal, it's medicine, it's therapy. Man, that's what I'm saying. So, and that's something my my mom spread a lot. Like somebody was telling me, uh, basically, like a week before my mom died, she was in church, and she got up and she was just like pretty upset. It's like everybody was like she knew, like people were saying that she knew she was gonna pass because she was in church saying, you know, like music is important. You need to pay attention to the youth and blah blah blah. Like my mom really supported. All of these things. So, I, I, I mean, before we end, I want to give a huge shout-out to my community of Ancillary in St. Lucia. Shout-out the whole of St. Lucia. You know, big up yourself. Shout-out my brother, Infinite, who I didn't really talk to about talk about much, but he's also in the music vibes, and, you know, I'm working on his project. My brother, McLeod, you know, my dad. Rest in peace to my mom. Shout-out, you know, everybody. Sherelle, Ashley, everybody, man. It's just it's an amazing team. So, big up yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, Yogi, the producer on the Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for listening each and every Wednesday. Make sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. Check out our catalog. It's your boy, Chetto, signing out. Peace. Peace.